This is the Cork Today replay on C103. A very strange Easter for so many of us and so many people not not being able to attend church services uh, this weekend and just finding the whole thing very, very difficult. And that's why this Good Friday we've decided to turn it slightly and we're asking all of us to do something really, really good today. And what we're asking people is to support Cork's frontline legends during this COVID-19 pandemic. We have uh, so many people who are working so hard today and will work so hard across this weekend that they won't even know that Easter is actually happening. So we've decided to join forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and the CUAH charity asking you to donate just €19 for the frontline legends who are literally going above and beyond. And people already, it seems by all accounts, have been very, very generous and it's very easy for you to donate. You can go on to our uh, website c103.ie when you come onto the homepage you'll see a donate now button and you can just uh, fill in the information there and make a one-off and it is a one-off donation of uh, 19 euro or if you would prefer to call us you can do that you can call it 1850 Fifty nine six nine six. That's eighteen fifty fifty nine six nine six. We can't take donations here to the radio station, so you can't call us uh, with your donations. And please don't call Cuh, and please don't call the Mercy. They are obviously already extremely busy. But nineteen euro is what we're looking for. If you want to donate more, absolutely, uh, you can do that as well. And I'm very conscious and aware that there are people struggling financially during this COVID nineteen pandemic. So please don't put yourself on under pressure what we are asking and we're asking those of us who are still lucky enough to have our jobs and to be able to go to our jobs those who are lucky enough to be working from home and still have their pay packet uh, coming in those who are uh, at home and are actually doing a little bit of saving because nobody's going out spending you might be able to give us the 19 euros so that we can pass it on and just by way of saying thank you to these frontline legends and just to let them know that we appreciate more than anything we appreciate what they are doing now I want to go to the phone lines because Rose Kelly from Taris Jock the charity shop in Dunmanway joins me uh, this morning. Good morning to you, Rose. Hello, Patricia. And how are you today? We're all great. Okay. Thank you. Now, I know Tara Stock, like all charity shops, you're closed at the moment. Oh, we are indeed. We are indeed. And we're still only a phone call away. You're very good. You're very good. And what you've decided to do today, you've decided to help out our appeal. Oh, yes, indeed. Well, we'll be celebrating our 11th birthday now this week. My goodness. 11 years in existence and just because now we're closed, we have the hospitals in the in our minds. So we are in a very good position to donate to Dunmanway Community Hospital a thousand euro. Wow. Bantry General Hospital a thousand euro. And our frontline staff, Mercy Hospital and COH Charity. A thousand euro. My goodness, that is so so uh, generous. You're you're an incredible uh, bunch of of people. And just remind us, Rose, how the shop started eleven years ago. Oh, started back there um, a meeting one night with Seamus O'Sullivan, Brendan Sullivan, Declan Hurley, um, Jane Lloyd. Uh, I think myself and maybe I'm letting out someone. It's just started one night and we're after having a festival and we found ourselves in um, in debt. So we said, look, we need to raise a few bob 
So in three months, we had it sorted. I mean, in weeks, we had it sorted, and the debts we had it cleared in a month or two. Yeah. With the thanks of uh, our community, and we opened it for three months, see if, how it go. <laughs> And it just mushroomed. That's fantastic. And then right, what, you, we, and yes, what you do yes. then is you give out money to good causes locally. Oh, yeah. We've uh, thousands given out yes. to different from We'll say a set of jerseys to palliative care or whatever it's, comes in our door. It's terrific. It's terrific. And you decide to help us out on, on our appeal yeah. today, which we really appreciate. Listen, you look after yourself, Rose, and stay safe in Dunmanway. We will indeed. And, thanks and listen, for t- happy birthday. Patricia. Thank you. That's your very and kind. John Paul and Tomorrow. Sadie. Sadie is a lovely, is a lovely girl. She's and, gorgeous. Um, I enjoy having a chat with her. Thanks a million. Mind yourself. Bye-bye. Mind Bye-bye. yourself and keep safe. It will I do. Think, I just want to thank our community for the support they've given us. Okay. And our wonderful volunteers. We and haven't had to close the door for five minutes in the 11 years we've opened. Well, they appreciate what you're doing as well. Thanks, Rose. Thank uh, you. Bye-bye. That is Rose joining us from Thoris Jock. And thanks to everybody involved there for that a donation of €1,000 uh, to our Cork's Frontline Legends uh, appeal. And throughout the morning, by the way, if you know of anyone that's a frontline worker that you would like us to give a shout out to, just to give a mention uh, to them, our groups of people. I know, for example, somebody said, you know, say a special word of thanks to the HSC Home Helps. They are on the frontline. Absolutely, they are helping people with personal care and they do that on a daily basis. Absolutely. And I know earlier into Simon, somebody mentioned a special hello to Edina Hanley, who's nursing in Cope, and her mum Eileen, who's a one-to-one home care home help carer uh, be safe and that's from Greta and Sophie so if there are people that you want us to give a mention to we'd love we really would love uh, to start giving shout outs to people today Amory Ryan for example Lillian Damory and Sharon Began and Olivia McCarthy, they are working in Cork University Hospital and the Mercy Hospital and Lorraine in Newmarket, thinking of all of them today and wanting to say well done to them. And there are other frontline workers. Let's not forget, not all frontline workers just work in hospitals. We've got frontline workers uh, working in retail who are just doing tremendous work. Donald says, good morning, Patricia. Uh, could you please say thank you to Anthony and Jerry O'Donovan and all of the staff at O'Donovan Supermarket in Bandon for their excellent grocery delivery service to all of their customers especially in the Michelle's area much appreciated at, at this time please shop local uh, thank you Donna my goodness hasn't, shop, hasn't shopping locally and the need to shop locally hasn't very much come to the fore uh, during COVID-19 so please keep your donations uh, coming 1850 9696 or you can cl- go onto our website click on c103.ie and throughout the uh, program we have various examples of what the wonderful frontline staff do but today is our day to say thank you to them and when I'm talking of thank yous can I just say thank you to people who are messaging and ringing in and whatsapping in uh, to, to wish me happy birthday yes it is my birthday today and it's John Paul's birthday tomorrow and people have been very kind in offering us uh, birthday wishes very very much appreciated it's a strange kind of a day to celebrate a birthday but so many of us will celebrate birthdays during uh, COVID-19 but please God we'll all have many many more birthdays to come and uh, we'll get to celebrate them all into the future. Now the national lockdown that we're currently experiencing will not be lifted uh, we're told until a series of strict medical targets are reached and that includes a major suppression of the virus. Now we are 
flattening the curve and by all accounts we're doing more than flattening the curve but we need to continue doing what we're doing. The significant shift in policy comes as the government prepares to extend this nationwide quarantine that should have run out on Sunday. They're now saying it is going to go towards the end of the month. Reading through some of the papers today, some commentators are saying the likely date could be after the May bank holiday weekend. Others are saying it could happen. It'll be extended for two weeks today and we may start seeing restrictions lifted uh, after that. And what we're expecting to hear this afternoon, we the people of this country are going to be told by the Taoiseach to finish the job that we have started as we are all helping to contain the virus. It emer- it comes as it the figures after it emerged, the figures yesterday, 28 more people died. That's the highest number of people to die in, in a 24-hour period. And that's bringing our total deaths in this country to 263. The breakdown yesterday of the figures was 15 females and 13 males. And I'm open to correction, but I think that was the first time that more women than men died because we know that this virus, for whatever reason, and it's only after this pandemic ends, I suppose they'll really go through all of the figures it does seem to be affecting more men when it comes to mortality uh, more men than women are uh, dying there was another 500 confirmed cases that was the highest number of confirmed cases as well so uh, the both records were broken yesterday so we now have 6,574 people confirmed with the infection in this uh, country. Now the government will outline the key goals that those fighting the virus need to reach before social distancing restrictions can be lifted. Medical experts are, uh, are insisting that the growth rate in the virus is slashed before life can return to any kind of normality. Now, the growth rate has fallen and we can all pat ourselves on the back for this because we've all done our little bit. This It is a war that we're all fighting together. I know we're thinking of our frontline workers today, but we all have a role to play in this. And the growth has fallen at the start. It was... 33%. We have that down to 9%. And the, But the hope is and the need is that we need that to fall further. In addition to the medical targets, testing and hospital capacity issues, they've got to be addressed before a decision can be taken on ending what is the current lockdown. Serious consideration is being given to relaxing travel and socialising rules, but they're looking at that at next month and that's only if these targets can be be, uh, reached. And the restrictions then will be eased in a phase basis. It won't, they won't come in altogether. Like there won't be a day where we'll go to a special news bulletin from Leo Varadkar with him saying all the restrictions have been lifted and we'll all return to normal. They will be eased in. The There will be an announcement today and it will come after the National Public Health Emergency Team after they decide how long the social distancing rules need to be extended by. And I know a couple of people were asking what to, you know when are we going to get that announcement? A public announcement on an the new lockdown timescale is expected to be at about four o'clock today. So we will have more news then. But we can take it for sure that the lockdown that we are currently living under, like the elderly people cocooning, uh, the two kilometre rule, you can't, you know, don't go any further than two kilometres, only go out for essential trips like 
to the shops when, when you absolutely need to go to the shops if you're going on a medical appointment or you need to go to the pharmacy all of that we can almost be guaranteed going to remain in place and doctors and patients in another busy hospital are now struggling with an outbreak of coronavirus which has now led to wards being shot latest hospital to be struck by a cluster of coronavirus cases this in Columkills Hospital that's in Lachlanstown in Dublin intensive care units and hospitals in the east of the country they continue to be under under pressure. 153 seriously ill patients are currently in intensive care. Now, there is, again, trying to, when you look at all these figures, trying to pick out some of the good news. 59 people have been discharged from intensive care, so that is uh, good news. Uh, nursing homes and hospitals continue to be hit the hardest by the coronavirus outbreaks. We now have 100 clusters in private nursing homes so far. And remember when I did the interview, I think it was this day last week with uh, Tyg Daly from Nursing Homes Ireland, we had clusters of cases in nursing homes at 24 and we were kind of shocked by that, that there had been 24 clusters. That has now gone to 100. That really is frightening. Hospitals have also been hit by clusters of cases. There's 49 clusters of cases in hospitals. Yesterday we were all talking about the one in Cavan Hospital, uh, which kind of shocked people, the amount of medics that have been affected in Cavan Hospital because of the outbreak there. Doctors from Beaumont Hospital in Dublin have now been sent to Cavan. But Cavan are struggling with a large shortage of staff laid low by the infection. Two medical wards in Cavan Hospital have been closed to admission. The hospital has 38 patients positive for the virus. 87 in all have been confirmed as having the infection due to the outbreak at the hospital. At least 70 doctors and nurses have been confirmed as having the virus and and many others have been sent to self-isolate. Doctors' representative bodies are expressing concern at the lack of protective equipment such as the goggles and the masks for the staff examining uh, patients. And that's why what we are doing today is so important. And that's why we so need to look after our frontline workers and make sure that they are safe. And we will have a good news story coming out from the hospitals today uh, because we'll be hearing in this hour on the programme about a Cork dad who ended up testing positive for COVID-19, became very unwell, ended up having to get into the back of an ambulance, had to go to hospital, ended up in the Mercy Hospital. He has come home and he is now at home and he has recovered from COVID-19. So, you know, there is hope there that when people do get diagnosed, it isn't, unfortunately, we will lose uh, people from COVID-19 but there are still a large number of people who do recover as well so let's you know cling on to that sense of hope if God forbid any of us or any of our loved ones were to get COVID-19 that we would make a full recovery and I suppose the other big story that's and it's making a lot of the papers today and certainly we had a lot of calls in about it yesterday and it's this whole issue of people travelling and staying in their holiday homes over Easter and how local people living in those tourist areas are reacting to the people coming to visit particularly when people were told to stay at home and it's kind of taken slightly sinister step in some areas in the Gardaí are now investigating after posters threatening tourists were displayed in a popular resort town. They're printed, you know, there's pictures of them in all of the papers today. It's a print, printed A4 pages were posted at various places in Kilkee in County Clare, including outside mobile home parks and 
outside holiday homes. It's also been claimed that some of these A4 sheets were dropped into the letterboxes of people in holiday homes who were down staying in holiday homes in the town. The posters, and I'll have to drop the bad language, the F word was used on the posters, basically telling these people to go home. It was It's headed... Kill Key Residence Health Defence. And it reads, Holiday home owners, stay at home does not mean your holiday pad. We would like you to return to your home. Do the right thing. And then the F word is used mm, off. Out of Kill Key now. And then this is where it got rather sinister. It says, if you do not leave when this crisis is over, you may not have a holiday home to return to this summer. I mean, that's kind of a, a scary, threatening message. Now, Kilkee Chamber of Commerce obviously straight away came out utterly condemned, um, they say, such nonsensical, counterproductive and criminal uh, behaviour. And a spokesperson said they urged anyone who'd received the letter, particularly those that were posted in through letterboxes, or had any information as who was to circulating it, to contact the guard immediately. They were also calling for anyone who might have had CC. CCTV coverage who could show who was putting up these posters and who was putting them in letterboxes. They say it's not indicative of the attitude of the overwhelming majority of people in uh, Kilkee. This is the action of one or two, they say, idiotic and attention-seeking individuals. And I know even the local Fianna Fáil uh, councillor down there described it as, irre- um, as as shocking and not reflective of the majority of people in uh, Kilkee. Um, and I, I know also there was reports of signs going up on the main Ennis to Lachinch Road saying, if you don't live here, don't be here. And there was signs uh, going up uh, on that as well. And I know we were hearing from people in West Cork and certainly we had a couple of texts in yesterday from people who are just, I suppose they're worried and they're angry. And when people get worried and when people get scared, they have a tendency then to get very angry and maybe then get a bit irrational and will say things that they don't really mean. But some of, you know, posts like that and posters like that are frightening for the holiday makers who are staying in these in our towns and villages and I know Drew Harris the Garda Commissioner while he was warning people not to travel and telling people to stay at home and we know there was Garda checkpoints all over the country yesterday and I'm assuming there's going to be more today but Drew Harris did come out on Wednesday and say to people who are currently staying in their holiday homes that you now consider that your place of residence and that they should stay there and not leave during the current restrictions. Now that's the current travel restrictions that are in place until Monday night I'm assuming they're going to say to people they can go home then but you know I I know yesterday we heard from Kathleen who's been in her holiday home she didn't travel very very far I think it was did she say 50 minutes uh, was the drive and she was already starting to feel a bit uncomfortable so I'm just and I'm assuming for the majority of people who did move out before the more stricter lockdowns came in and decided that they would go to their holiday homes for the duration of the pandemic I'm wondering are many of them starting to feel very very uncomfortable indeed and it'll be interesting to see after this Easter Bank holiday weekend when the Garda checkpoints are lifted on people uh, travelling back from holiday homes I wonder will many people who may have decided to stay in their holiday homes will they now decide to pack up and go home and then yesterday you know we were hearing from people saying what about the ferries are the ferries still bringing people in into the country well Holy Thursday is traditionally one of the busiest days at Dublin port and it's one of the busiest days for the British holidaymakers who will come over and avail of 
of the long weekend to travel to Ireland and the evidence yesterday however is that people are heeding the public health advice and it seems certainly that the British tourists are staying at home. Uh, Barely more than a dozen cars and vans came off the two ferries which arrived yesterday evening from Hollyhead and they were waved on by the Gardaí. The Stella Line Adventure was the first to arrive. Just seven cars and vans came came off. Ten minutes later, the Irish ferry ship Ulysses. Now Ulysses normally would be full. That arrived with uh, just three more I think vehicles on board and then some of them showed telltale signs of arriving to Ireland for business rather than from ple- for pleasure every small vehicle was stopped by Gardaí none were detained though uh, then there was a long procession obviously of goods lorries and they were all being checked by the uh, customs so they all uh, they and that's why we need our ferries we need the cargo and the goods to come in from this country and obviously it heads back over with items from this country going over to the United Kingdom and uh, further afield. And I mean, we certainly were hearing stories and there's been anecdotally a lot of stories coming in from West Cork. We were getting them onto the programme yesterday that there was a lot of English reg cars arrived. So certainly if they had arrived, they arrived before the more stricter rules and regulations around travel came in and people seemed to be heeding the advice which certainly is good news all around. Now I don't know how many others uh, received this this email that one of our listeners has contacted us about says Hi Patricia I'm temporarily out of work due to COVID-19. I applied for the government payment on the 3rd of April and I received my payment on Tuesday the 7th which was Tuesday of this week. Then yesterday I got the following email. I'm confused to say the least. Now I have had to reapply. Is this actually a legitimate email. Social welfare officers closed until next Wednesday, I believe. I'll get that uh, no one's answering the phone. I don't know if it's closed until next Wednesday. It certainly will be closed today. I would assume that they would be open on the Tuesday after the bank holiday weekend, but I'll get John Paul to check that. Anyway, this listener has got an email saying, we've reviewed your application for COVID pandemic unemployment payment. It appears from this review that you do not meet the eligibility criteria. Your application will not be paid on the 14th of April or thereafter. A review of your application shows you are not fully unemployed and that you're still in in receipt of employment income and I'm assuming from our listeners text that he's not in receipt of uh, an an employment uh, income okay you're certainly going to have to it it looks legit I don't in any way and I'm assuming when you got the email that it came you've checked at the top that it's come from the correct web address and it's a secure web address and all of that and and if it is I would contact them you're going to have to wait because certainly the phone lines will be closed over this bank holiday weekend I would be contacting them first thing on Tuesday morning because I would take it that they're open on Tuesday morning and and in the meantime I would send them on an email don't just respond to that email, you know, send them an email on an email that you know is secure or else, as you say, reapply again because you can do that on the mywelfare.ie, isn't it? You you can reapply. But has anybody else, we'll just we'll give a shout out to see has it happened to others. Has anybody else received an email when this person is genuinely out of work, isn't in receipt of unemployment, any kind of employment income, got the payment for one week and now suddenly it has been taken back. I don't know how widespread that uh, is. And stay in contact with us and let us know how you get on. 1850 at 333103. And Pat O'Hara, morning, she the video production in Charleville. So Patricia, just to let the people of Charleville and surrounding areas know that all the Easter ceremonies 
for Good Friday, Easter Saturday, Easter Sunday from Holy Cross Church in Charleville are recorded and can be viewed and shared on Pat O'Hara's Facebook page. Oh, that's a kind um, act. Thank you for that, Pat. That's Pat O'Hara's Facebook page. Breathe in Mill Street. Patricia, big thank you to Dorothy and Robert Geeran of Bally Daily. They're delivering food and papers, anything at all, from their shop every single day of the week. For those of us who can't get out and those of us that are cocooning, you can also click and click well done. Had some breather in Mill Street. So there, we have so many heroes, don't we? We have so many people going above and beyond and just making sure that life, making life a little bit easier for as many people as possible. That's what it's all about. And that's why we've decided to help out our frontline legends uh, today, asking you to donate 19 euro for the frontline legends. The number, somebody said, could I call it out again? I can, of course. It's 1850 50 9696. 1850 50 9696. Or you can also go online to c103.ie. And if you want to leave a little message when you're online or when you ring through to the call centre, we'll give little shout outs to people. If there's anyone in particular, if there's frontline workers that you want us to say hi to, who you feel are going above and beyond, feel, feel free. Please feel free to include that as well. 1850, this is our number, 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Eggfoyle Mock, Quid Then Anihe is Farlin, Shot Eight Thrower, C103 Air Kirkig. Is Marga Bay in the English market, Elor Hahar Kirkui, in a will Ramesha Lahan Stali Yakas Shastoin, Lebush Dairy, Bokhari, Kanahori Aishk, Stali Glass Ree, Shapui Cafe, a Hodas Klohush, Agas Avadni Smo. Dinkor Olu Hosu the Hodil, Winsultas and Atmosphere, Nublasana, Agas Blafele, Un Irgniv Shaw, a Hen Shirgadin Vlien, Mila Shakyad Sahotau Hocht. Behan Margashan, I'm sure show a grill or a car, Marhot dot hit trussele, Edomale. Nocta, quid denaneha, is fari gorkic, C103. As you know, all day today we here at C103, we're asking you to do something really good by supporting Cork's frontline legends during this COVID 19 pandemic. We've joined forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and the CUH charity, asking you to donate 19 euro to support those going above and beyond to save lives. One family who know how important those frontline workers are is the Nagel family. From from White Church because their dad Tommy is now home after recovering from COVID-19 and his daughter Michelle Toomey joins me to talk about how he got on and the care he re- received as a patient in the Mercy Hospital. Good morning to you Michelle. Good morning Patricia how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well firstly how is That's dad good. doing today? Dad is getting stronger every single day Patricia we're very blessed and very fortunate Frightening um, you know, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had um, a horrific ordeal, to be honest with you, you know. Um, I suppose, first of all, I, I suppose I, I probably need to say that there's just myself and my brother. Um, so our father is extremely important to us and he is a huge presence in both of our lives. You know, he was um, play a very active part in all of his grandkids' lives. He has 10 grandchildren. Um, and I suppose myself and my brother would have very close bonds with him. You know, he's a very active man. He loves 
sports. So he would go to a lot of matches ordinarily with my brother and he shares a huge passion for music. So I have an awful lot of date nights with my dad. <laughs> we love to go to the like we call them Jags because we're from, from North Cork originally. But um, we love to attend the Cork Opera House, you know, all the tribute acts. And we go to the Marquee to see a lot of the artists. And So he's a very, very active man. And he only recently retired from the Bond Secure Hospital. So he um, turned 66 last Sunday. And because of everything he had come through, I suppose it was a very happy birthday Absolutely. for him and for us. Absolutely. You know, so, so go back to the beginning. When yeah. when did Dad start to feel unwell, and what what were his early symptoms? Okay, do you know what now, um, Patricia? It was actually about four weeks ago. My father lives next door to me. Okay. And about four weeks ago, the Saturday night, I went into him as I do to sit down and watch a bit of telly and whatever, and I noticed he was kind of a bit off in himself. So I took no notice and I came out home and the following Sunday morning I kind of went into him and I said, Dad, are you coming in for a bit of breakfast? Because Sunday morning he'd always come in and spend time with us, the family. And he looked at me and he said, Michelle, do you mind if I don't? And I said, no problem. I said, I felt you a bit off yesterday. You know, what's going on with you? And Patricia, this is such an ironic conversation because he looked at me and he said, Michelle, like I'm watching an awful lot about this COVID-19 and I'm very, very nervous. He said, yeah, I think I'm going to start just cocooning or staying in here by myself for the time being, if you don't mind, if that's okay with you. So I said, Dad, absolutely, whatever you feel you need to do. There's a little bit we know at the time. He was actually carrying the illness then and he was going to start showing symptoms two days later. My God. So I was, I was it's, almost like, it's almost like a premonition. Absolutely. Absolutely, because I suppose had I kept up the contact and my kids, sure, we don't know where we may have all ended up because my dad got so ill, you know. So I suppose. So he started to self isolate on that Sunday? He started to self isolate himself, thinking he was doing a good thing and not realising he was actually carrying then and there. So then during the week, what what symptoms did he then get? What happened then was I was in the window for a couple of days and on the Tuesday of the same week, I popped my head in and I said, are you okay? And he had a runny nose and he was sneezing, um, didn't look good, colour wasn't great and just a bit shook in himself. But as that week progressed, he um, was very, he was kind of feverish, he was hot and cold, like he'd have a stove on, but his windows open. Um, I felt when he, because at this stage he was still mobile, when he was pottering around his own um, house, he was a bit unsteady on his footing, kind of. Um, Just very unwell in himself, real fever-like. But like that, he was still eating. But as we went into that weekend, I saw a huge, he was complaining of a sore throat, and there was a very big loss of appetite to a point where he ultimately went off his food completely. Like in 10 days, my father shed almost seven kgs, which isn't my dad at all. Because oh. my dad, my dad would eat the lamb of God. He loved his food ordinarily, you know, so none of this was my father. So I suppose within a week, he rang his GP and the GP um, was just happy to give him an antibiotic. So, like, my father didn't push anything. He just kind of did what he was told, and he started taking the antibiotic. So the following Monday, Patricia, he took to his bed, and that was it. He didn't come out of it until we had to put him into the Mercy Hospital. So what happened was he took to his bed. Um, I kind of, I had to then start going into him. So I found myself having to wear a mask, gloves, 
sanitise because I was a bit nervous and I did have a small inkling that we were looking at an awful lot more than a cold here, you know, even though nothing had been confirmed at that stage. But were you starting so, to suspect COVID-19 at I this did. stage? Yeah, okay. I did because, yeah. like, you're listening to, you know, where some people have a few symptoms. He had all of He was ticking all the boxes. You talk about getting it full whack. Yes, you know. And, like, my father wouldn't be sick by nature. He's never sick. He's so active. So, like, it was too much of a coincidence in the back of my mind, you know. But look, he wanted to continue out his course of antibiotics. So he took to the bed and unfortunately for him, a brother that he was very, very close to at the time um, who had, who has cancer, had cancer, uh, was given hours to live on the Monday. So, you know, I had to break that news to him without being able to give him a hug or sympathise with him. Oh. And subsequently, the following day, his brother died. Um, and they had just such a special bond. And my father was too sick to go to the removal or the funeral. So when we saw that, we knew there was definitely something, you know, radically wrong with my father. Um, so not only was he going through COVID-19, he was also trying to mourn and trying to grieve. Um, so he just inherited this horrific cough whilst in the bed and um, it lodged in his chest. So, and I had said to my dad, I said, Dad, do you know my father has an underlying chest complaint? His chest produces too much mucus. So my father would be on an inhaler every day anyway. Um, and subsequently, every now and then, like every four or five months, he'd have to go into the bonds and they'd have to drain the excess mucus off of his chest. And I remember him saying to me ages ago, you know, Michelle, if I get this anywhere, oh, I'm a goner. It's going to be quite serious for me because, you know, I have this underlying illness. Um, and that kind of resonated in my brain. And I just kept saying to him when he took to the bed, Dad, if your chest comes at you, you're going to have to let me know. Because Patricia, like my father is awful in that he try and soldier through anything himself. I know. You know I what know. I mean? He wouldn't So when tell was you. it? You, did you end up having to ring an ambulance? I didn't. What happened was, what happened was, he got very, very ill. Um, no, no appetite. So I went into him on a Sunday morning, last Sunday, two weeks. And his eyes were rolling in his head. And he looked at me and I said, my God, like I'd been out with him the Saturday night and what a drastic transformation within 10 hours. And he just said to me, Michelle, I can't breathe. And my chest is getting really tight. So I said, Dad, that's it now. We're going to have to do something here. And of course, my father, being my father, no, no, I'll wait for my own GP. Tomorrow is Monday. He'll be there tomorrow. And I said, Dad, not a hope. This is in your chest now. No way. So it being Sunday, Patricia, we didn't kind of know what to do. So we decided to ring the HSE helpline and they were just absolutely amazing. Talked us through everything we had to do. Um, so we had to ring South Dock because his own GP was closed. And basically within an hour, an hour and a half, my father was down outside the Mercy Hospital and all. It just it happened that fast. They were my so, God. so active. And then so what was the scene at the Mercy Hospital when he arrived? I tell you, you know, it was my brother actually brought him to the Mercy Hospital um, because like that, I, I had five kids and you know my husband was working, so he decided to bring him down. But you know, like the most awful traumatising side of this was not just what we went through when he was in hospital. It was actually, I can't describe to you what it was like to see him stumble into my brother's car and go down that drive. I really and truly thought there was a part of me that he wasn't going to come back up the drive and home. And since he's come home, 
he said that himself as well. He really thought that was it. He was so sick and he couldn't breathe. Like, he really thought that was it. It was all over. So my brother had him down outside the Mercy Hospital and you have to sit in your car. You know, you're not allowed in because the hospital is closed. And um, so they ring you. So because of the contact and the procedure we had gone through, they rang out. And um, basically this nurse came out completely gowned up, completely now gowned up, like my father is kind of saying, no, she was like something out of a movie. I know, you know? I know. And that, can, that can be, even though your dad has the experience of working in the bonds, but that could be mm-hmm. so frightening for people, Michelle, to you know see what? that. It was, Patricia, you're spot on because he said to us, like, that just made it that I, I wasn't sick enough and feeling bad enough, that made it very real for him, you know. So it was only my father was brought through the double doors. Um, we had to wait in a car my brother waited in a car and they contacted us about an hour and a half later again by phone just to say that um, they had done the COVID-19 test that um, they were doing a chest x-ray on him that they were going to keep him because his breathing was very unstable very erratic and they were very very concerned for him so until they had gotten the results they were putting him in isolation where they did so they put him on oxygen and then when they got the results um, from his COVID-19 test, he started re- receiving the COVID-19 treatment. So basically they told us that this treatment is only a treatment, that there is no cure at the moment, and that they were doing everything they could for him, that he was getting the treatment, he was on oxygen, but the rest was up to him. Oh, that it's up to his body you now to take this illness on and fight it and literally we were told that it could go one way or the other that he'll either maintain and turn a corner or he may need other respiratory aids like ventilation or, or you know other things so we were just living on our nerves were you, you able to go in and see him Michelle? no 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 there's no and that's that's probably that's, that's the hardest bit is it? <laughs> It is, Patricia, because I suppose with my father, he had no voice because of his breathing. So we had no contact whatsoever with him for two days. Now, that said, and I have to say this, I can't praise the staff of the Mercy Hospital high enough. They were just absolutely beautiful in every way. Like they kept the contact up with us regularly. Yeah, I've heard that and, and I mean they're busy yeah. enough and oh, yet you're, so you're at home and you're desperate for any little bit of information that you want Absolutely. to ring you want them, them to call and the good Absolutely. news is he turned the corner he's a fighter for sure what, what, <laughs> was, what was the homecoming like? No no I suppose he kind of stayed the way he was for two days and slowly but surely he did I reckon myself it was his brother Sylvie standing yeah. over him yeah. just pulling him through it I really do um, because you know my father would have a very weak chest and people that don't have underlying illnesses, you know, have gone on to, to see, you know, an, a worse side of this illness again. So he did. He turned a corner very slowly. And I suppose basically what they said to us but by the Saturday was if they steadied his breathing, they were happy to leave him go because they don't want anybody in there that really doesn't need to be in there. Um, so they did necessary tests. And on the Saturday, that would be him now after spending a week in isolation on oxygen and in receipt of the COVID-19 treatment. They were happy to leave him go, um, but he was to go back into 14 days of self-isolation. Which again. is where he sti- is now, is he still? He is now, yes, yeah. he is now. So, but do you know what now, Patricia? Oh my God, like, we were just elated. It was just such a happy day because we just felt there are so many 
sad stories attached to this illness. Know. You know, that, my God, and, we've got and, a happy ending. And you, you went through, I mean, you thought you were going to lose your dad. I really did. I, and like, he just, he's my buddy <sighs> more than my dad. And he's the same with my brother because he's so active. Like, <clears throat> he's a great character. There's great banter and crack attached to him. And to see him this sick, it was just, it was horrific. That's why, you know? folks, the message is stay at home. Stay, stay at, at home. home. It's a, stay, it's a simple. Listen, will you pass on our very best wishes uh, to your dad, Michelle? Thank you so much. Well, it was a real pleasure to talk to you as well. And, and uh, Tommy's lucky to have you as a daughter yeah. living next door as well. Absolutely. Listen, God bless and stay safe. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks a million. Bye bye, Michelle Toomey. They're really showing us uh, how important. And I think it, a, a story of hope, but how important those frontline workers are. We can all help the frontline workers today uh, by donating to 1850. 50 9696. We're looking for a one off donation of 19 euro. You can click on c103.ie as we help to support Cork's frontline legends. Cork today on C103 with Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you The Arts House. Every Sunday on C103. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10 with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On C103. Cork today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie for the best weekend sports coverage in Cork it's got to be C103 I'll bring you updates on cross channel soccer racing anything else that happens in the world of sports Rory Burke kicks off your weekend with a comprehensive Saturday sports preview from 11am Mark Malone keeps the ball rolling with Cork Sports Saturday from 2. Then, Cork Sports Sunday completes your weekend between 2 and 7 p.m. With Brosnan Boylan Golden. On the ball for home, car and commercial insurance. Get local peace of mind with bbg.ie. Oh, the hand Every puck, every kick, every score, every weekend. Let me tell you what's happening sporting-wise this weekend here on C103. For sport in Cork, it's got to be C103. The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I can see there's a couple of shout outs we want to give a mention to and I will get to those. But I want to go to Nora who needs a bit of a helping hand. See if we can get somebody to sort this out. Good morning to you, Nora. 
Good morning, Patricia, and thank you very much for having me on. Well, we appreciate it. Let's we appreciate your call. Let's just see that we can. We need somebody travelling from Cork to Dublin. Absolutely. Tell um, us why, Patricia. A family member um, is working in the community mental health unit in Dublin. Okay. And they are at presently in desperate need of sanitizer. Fortunately, I was able to access around eight litres of it. Well done. But now, due to the logistics and the lockdown, I can't get it from here to Dublin. Oh, so it's, it's, is it in one, I have it. is it in a box? Is it in one? It's, it's, it's liquid, Patricia. Okay. It's in um, two and a half litre, three, three gallons, you know, yeah. two and a half litres each. And I'm not aware, Patricia, of any courier company that transfers liquids. Oh, okay. Is there? Yeah, there's probably rules and regulations around the transportation yeah. of of liquids. Yeah. So, and we know with the two kilometer rule that nobody's nobody certainly is going on a jolly to Dublin. That's for sure. No. But there may be somebody listening who has to go to Dublin for work reasons. Maybe, perhaps. Uh, yes. Somebody is doing a drop off of something else to Dublin from this area. Yes. Who would be able yes. to and would be in a position to take these three. Drums for you. Yeah, they're just, they're like you know gallons of milk. Yeah, Patricia, yeah. Them, you know, so it's the easiest to describe it at this stage. It's just that they are so in need of it, and I have it, and it's just to try and join the dots for me. I know, I know. It it just shows this PPE. We've all none of us knew what PPE was before all of this broke out. The personal protective equipment. No, but and we're learning. Fast. We are, but there. It's just there's a worldwide shortage of the PPE equipment and the hand sanitizers, the gloves and if you're working in the cold face of it, 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 it is while it's a luxury to us it's just, it's vital to people working in the cold face of it Absolutely, absolutely and as you know Patricia the mental health area has been neglected for so long Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's falling behind now and this again so I was just trying to do my little bit. Well, you have, um, if we can just get it to Dublin. OK, and yes. are you in the city? Are you in the county? In Where West are you? Cork. I'm in West Cork. You're in, you're in West Cork. OK. Yeah. Um, so we need somebody ideally travelling out of West Cork. But I'm sure you could make it to, could you get it to, into Cork City if we needed it in the city? You know what? I'm sure, I'm sure that we would be able to. Yeah, because if you were stopped, that's the, what you're doing is an essential trip. I'm sure you would be fine to do that. OK, we yeah. have all of your details. Let's keep our fingers crossed. If anybody knows of anyone travelling out of, out of Cork, heading to Dublin. Hang on now, we may have, do we have someone already? Let me go to... James on line five. Uh, good morning, James. Hi, Trish. How are you? I'm not too bad. Can you help out? We can. Um, as it happens, the Lions Clubs are launching a project today. I was talking to JP about it earlier, um, where we're making face visors and our fundraising has started. But we have the first batch being collected in Dublin as we speak. We've got one of our vans coming down to down to Cork, down to McCroom today. Um, he'll be there sometime later on this afternoon. We get them wherever they need to go in Dublin this evening. Oh, <laughs> well, you know what? You're brilliant. <laughs> uh, well done, James. Well no, done. Okay. Thank you your birthday so present. Oh, thank you, James. <laughs> I will put you in contact with each other, and you can arrange all the all the logistics uh, of it uh, while you while you're on, James. Tell us about your campaign and what you're doing for the visors. 
What we're doing, um, the McCroom Lines clubs and all the Lions clubs, it started as a Cork initiative. The um, the clubs in Clannacilty, in, in Skibbereen, um, in Kinsale, where else? Cove led very quickly, Bantry, Bishopstown, Carrigaline, uh, Cork and Douglas have all started the whole thing, the ball rolling with a thousand euros each. Um, the Our district, which is the governing body for Lions in Ireland, has matched the funding already, which brought us straight to about 20,000, which allowed us to get the ball rolling. And what we're trying to do is raise 100,000 to make 200,000 uh, Hero Shield face visors. So they're for frontline staff, for the Gardaí, who we hope to get some to next week, um, or our batch, our first batch that we want to tweak and make sure everything is perfect, is being collected in Dublin this morning. We, we were pony expressing it around the country. That's incredible. So, uh, That's incredible. If, if people can help, we would we could really do with with, with a push in two types. The, the McCroom Lions Club Facebook page okay. has all our details, the details of the project, and we have a bank account in ALB and Patrick Street that we could do with donations badly with. And that's but on your Facebook page as well? It is, but the other thing that people could do first, which would really help, is if you get onto the McCroom Lions Club Facebook page, like the page and share the post about it, because we need to get the word out, and every single penny that goes into this comes out as the, these vital PPE visors for, for, for people on the front side that don't have them. So badly needed. Okay, and you'll help Nora out to get that hand sanitizer to Dublin. We'll put you in contact with each other. James, thank you for that. Good luck with your campaign. Thank you, and, and, and happy birthday. Uh, thank you very much. And Nora, thank you for making the call to us. And listen, um, wish the best of luck to your family member who's in Dublin, okay? Tell, tell, will, tell them to stay Richard. safe. And you mind I yourself. Will. And thank you very much. No problem. John Paul and Sadie as well. Okay, God bless. Take Thank care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, we'll let the lads put them all in contact with each other and sort that out. Let me go to where am I going to? A completely different issue. Dan joins me. Good morning to you, Dan. Now, Dan, you're, I'm very well, thank you. You're not the first to raise this issue. You're a bit concerned, I suppose, about joggers and cyclists. Well, yes, I have my own underlying conditions, you know. Go on. You know, I live in the I live in the Black Rock area here in Cork, right? Yeah. And there's a lovely walk where you know yourself in Black Rock Castle all the way over to Monkstone Passage and all that. Do you know? And do you know what? You just park, you just sit down and park there, and you know something? The volume of people that's along there, it's an incubator for this thing, right? And you see the cyclists and their cycling along the middle of it, joggers jogging along the middle of it, sweat dropping off of them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they have no respect for nothing. So you reckon there's no social distancing going on when they're passing you out? No, 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 no. Nothing wrong whatsoever. I just come from outside the area. There's no check on cyclists. Yeah, and they're, well, they're only meant to cycle within two kilometres of... They're going well outside it, Patricia. Well outside it. So do you think that should be policed? Yes, I know. I just, I, 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 I just sweat dropping off them. Yeah, I've, I sweat as a bodily fluid. I, I don't know if sweat would carry the virus, but oh, it does. It does. does it does. It? Oh, yes. It does. It, I, I've heard of joggers, joggers and if you're jogging for a long period of time, see me, you need, some, some people need to spit. Now, I know, which is completely disgusting. Um, and that certainly can carry the virus. So I suppose, yeah, it could sweat carry the virus as well. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering because, you know, we're waiting to hear the restrictions, what's going to happen later on today, about four o'clock. We're going to hear the announcements. We're expecting that it's going to be extended uh, because we need to flatten the curve even, even further. And I'm wondering, you know, if that kind of behaviour that you're describing, if that continues... We'll never get out of this lockdown because we just won't stop the spread. I think it's time to block off the walkways. It is time. Close them completely. 
Oh yeah, it has to. It has to happen. You know why? So uh, cold fuel comes into battle. I miss now it's cycling. If you want to cycle to the shop, get you a bit of food. That's one thing. But when you're passing people, and uh, well, there's no respect. And they look at you, they have a face like a rock belt, and once you say, don't open your mouth, that kind of attitude, you know? And, it, and is the area intended for cyclists in normal times? Well, there's a cyclist sign there, yeah. Oh, is there? Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Right. Okay. But I mean, see how that was allowed, I'll never know. Okay. All right, uh, you're not you're not the only one to raise the issue. I have to say, uh, Dan, other people are concerned about it as well. Listen, stay safe. Yeah, but I mean, it's a decision before you go there, right? Yeah. You're on about you're on about people going away to mobile homes and that, right? Mm-hmm. No. How many in the judicial system with a second home is after going into? That's what I would like to know. Okay. And I, I'm talking about everybody in the judicial system, whether it be girls. And all that, and, and, and solicitors and doctors and barristers, the whole bloody lot. Yeah, but you could, you know, you know, second off because there was an MP over in England. Who and lost yes, her job. Know. Yeah, she lost her job. All right. Okay, okay, Dan, listen, every profession I think we can mention under the sun, there's the possibility that uh, somebody owns a uh, holiday home. Actually, just on holiday home, somebody mentioned, I didn't hear this, but seemingly Christy Moore summed up this morning when he said about people who were coming to their holiday homes from England and Dublin and Cork and further afield. He equated them to people spitting at the local people and uh, they should be treated like pariahs. This is a, a grateful listener. Well, we're assuming that people have heeded the warnings and that certainly with all of the checkpoints yesterday that people haven't headed to their holiday homes this weekend. And Meg says, Patricia, with all the modern technology, why can't people stay at home? It isn't that difficult. Have they seen the lorry loads of coffins? Oh, uh, this is an invisible enemy. I saw somebody, thanks for that, Meg. I saw somebody yesterday... Put up on Twitter. I think I shared it on uh, Twitter. They were a friend of theirs was working in a timber mills and couldn't understand why they were remaining at work. Couldn't understand why they were in essential service, and uh, they found out yesterday why they were deemed an essential service because the timber was being used to make coffins. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Hi, Patricia. I'd like to say. Thank you to all of our doctors, nurses, paramedic, ambulance crews for all the work they are doing, but also to all of the volunteers who are doing great work, like the Red Cross members, uh, like the Red Cross, members of the GAA, all doing fantastic work with the likes of Meals on Wheels, the Civil Defence who are helping with blood donor units and delivering medication to people. Great work, everyone. Please uh, keep it up. And someone has been on to say, does anyone know of accommodation available in the Mallow area for health care assistant please and we have this person's mobile number if anyone is aware of accommodation available for a healthcare worker in Mallow if you could help us with that Hi Patricia, weren't we supposed to get the fuel allowance until the middle of May? I didn't get mine, kind regards uh, and happy birthday and happy birthday to John Paul for tomorrow, thank you for the birthday greetings We're looking into that, we did send an email yesterday because we it was our attention was drawn to it yesterday when people went and collected their social welfare payment and they were getting a double payment but they only got one week of the fuel allowance. We're looking into it to see what exactly is going on, whether the payment will be available, made available next week and you'll just get the fuel allowance payment next week but leave it with us. They didn't get back to us. I checked in with John Paul and obviously they're closed now for the Easter Bank holiday weekend So, it's, but it is certainly something we are going to uh, keep an eye on and we will let you know as soon as we get something back from them. Hi Patricia Tommy here. Can you give a big shout out to the truck drivers of this country uh, as well because if, if 
and give a shout out for the truck drivers of this county and of this country because if it wasn't for them the shelves would be empty in your local shops and across the country it would all come to a standstill but apart from that we can't but praise our hospital and home health staff they're risking their lives for all of us and they do it every single day that they head out to work frontline hospital staff you are Ireland so well done I think Dr Tony Houlihan is an extraordinary man in far from an ordinary Ireland he deserves the freedom of Ireland when all this is uh, over and that's from Thomas's happy birthday guys thank you very much uh, Tom summing up our frontline uh, staff and the staff that work in the hospital you are Ireland that's uh, very very well put and we're helping Cork's frontline legends during this COVID-19 pandemic by joining forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation the CUH charity and we're asking you today to donate just 19 euro you can click c103.ie to make a one-off donation or you can call 1850-509696 and remember the money's raised we're hoping we're looking at things like an internal wellness centre and an external wellness space it's for the Cork University staff just to give them somewhere to uh, relax uh, and in over the coming weeks the Mercy Hospital team of clinical psychologists will be on hand to work with the frontline staff to build their resilience as they work tirelessly to treat COVID-19 patients and what I think is a fantastic fantastic idea what we're hoping to buy are these genius uh, thermometers which give staff a temperature reading in just literally in just seconds it's uh, an amazing piece of equipment and the coffee pods everybody loves the warm smell of coffee and this coffee pods this coffee machines all over the hospital but we need to keep those coffee machines stacked with their uh, coffee pot- pods just to give the staff a comforting break from work when they need it most. Just some of the examples of how the money that's raised today will be spent. We can all play our part in helping out and saying thank you to Cork's Frontline Legends. Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. What are farmers' spring crop options? Some people would have liked to try to get beans in early in particular or maybe the likes of spring weed. Now, because the area wasn't sown in the autumn and, you know, the seed trade couldn't have predicted this, so seed will be scarce. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Range, the complete feed for your calves this spring. Only on C103. With the doors closed and locked at our churches nationwide, it's going to be a very strange Easter for many people. So to give us words of encouragement and to find out how they're getting on themselves, I'm joined by the Catholic Bishop of Cloyne, William Crane, and the Church of Ireland Bishop of Cork, Cloyne and Ross Paul uh, Colton. Good morning to you, Bishops. You're very welcome to the programme. Good morning, Good morning, Bishop. Um, Bishop Crane, if I can start with you, we're living in very challenging times. How are you personally doing yourself during the lockdown? Uh, I am doing fine. I'm uh, observing, I think, as best I can, uh, all the restrictions. But thanks to technology... Uh, I'm quite busy because I'm kept in contact or I keep in contact with uh, my colleagues in other dioceses uh, through this proverbial Zoom network yeah. and uh, and with my colleagues in the diocese equally by phone and etc. Yeah, we're lucky really the times in which we live that we can, we have so many ways to stay in contact. Sure. 
And uh, Bishop Colton, what's life like for you? Well, it's very different. And, uh, well, could I just say, too, it's lovely to be online with Bishop Crean, and I send him greetings. Um, We're used on Good Friday to doing things ecumenically, like Stations of the Cross out and about. But I think probably this is the first ecumenical uh, gathering of this kind on radio on Good Friday. So hello to uh, Bishop Crean and to everybody out there, and to you, uh, Patricia. Like Bishop Crean and everybody, it's just strange times, and everybody's overwhelmed. And, and finds it really surreal, you know. Um, this threat is not something we can physically see. So it, it's quite bewildering for people. So I'd say I'm sitting at home, I have a lot to do, and I'm fortunate that I've, that I've plenty of things to keep me busy, um, keeping the restrictions, as Bishop Cream just mentioned, um, but also um, finding it all... Uh, it's an anxious time for everybody. And I think that's the key. I think the key is to try as best you can uh, to keep uh, busy. And Bishop Cream, what do you say to people who are finding it hard, especially with the church doors closed? The amount of people who've contacted us to say before the stricter restrictions came in that they, older people pottered down to the church, wanted to light a candle, say a prayer and were, were upset to see the door closed. Uh, and I, I'm, I appreciate their upset, and in the case of some of them, uh, deep anger that uh, the churches have been closed. But uh, we have good reason for having them closed. We have no desire to put anybody at risk, and it's not just older people. Uh, younger people also would appreciate the opportunity to... Uh, come in and take some time for personal prayer and in the case of many who would have uh, be accustomed maybe to lighting a candle as they make a prayer intention for somebody uh, so they're feeling it as well but it is one of the sacrifices that we make uh, in the midst of this uh, for for those who are most vulnerable in our midst, many of them in our own families as well. Yeah, it's it's to protect uh, everyone. Um, Bishop Colton, many church services are now online. Are, are you getting good reaction online? Yes, we are, in fact. And, um, you know, we too have our church buildings closed. The message we're trying to get across, though, is that, that the church is the people of God and that even though the buildings are closed. The church is well and truly open. People are praying. People are worshipping. And one of the ways they're doing that is online. And people are serving, uh, volunteering all over the city and the council, the county to, to do things that the church normally does. So it doesn't all hinge on the building, even though we're, we're so used to the building. But there's a great reaction to what's happening online. Um, for example, I usually go to Ross Carberry on uh, th- Thursday and Holy Week, Holy Thursday yesterday, and about 120 people would join me. Well, this year that didn't happen that way, but I did produce the, a service, a shortened version, and put it online. And instead of the just over 100 or so who would normally be there, we had about 500 well, people looking in. It's great, it's great. And, and uh, Bishop Crean, you're seeing the same thing, I imagine. Sure. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing what necessity uh, generates uh, because we are now uh, ex- experiencing possibilities that we might not have dreamt of in quite the same way. Yeah. 
and of course we, we have known for some time uh, uh, and experienced how much people uh, are connected through so much uh, so many different avenues by way of technology that yes huge numbers of people maybe a far greater number of people than would we would be accustomed to making contact with so there is a grace in the midst of this what is seemingly a very difficult situation people are returning to prayer so it would be great some good can come out of this uh, if, if nothing else comes out of this pandemic some good might might come out of it only time will tell Do uh, uh, Bishop Crane would you I, I mean you, I know you would have a lot of your clergy cocooning Yes uh, we have uh, if I take the combination of men who are retired of which we have a considerable number uh, and then anybody over 70 who are in parishes but that number uh, are maybe about um, eight. And in the case of those uh, situations where we want to enable them to respect the restriction, we have assigned uh, some other priests in the event of, say, a funeral or some other uh, maybe urgent pastoral need, that they will respond uh, to the individual or family as the need arises in, on their behalf. And Bishop Colton, have you got many cocooning? Well, I reckon of our ordained and our lay ministers, a group of 74 people, that 47 of them are in the at-risk okay. uh, category. So they're not all over 70 by any means, but people do have other things yeah. uh, in yeah. their lives. Uh, maybe they've had an operation recently or something. You know, yeah. or having some other treatment. So yes, co- cocooning and being careful. We all have to be careful. And uh, I think one way is we we all need to be careful for each other and to keep you know, the mantra: stay at home, stay at home. And is dealing with the de- the dying and the bereaved families very difficult for both of you? Very difficult. It's you know we have a huge tradition in Ireland of supporting one another at times of bereavement, and uh, you know going to one another's homes, removals, uh, you know they are community events of support, and all that uh, the rug has been pulled from under it. And uh, I'm sure Bishop Green is the same. We both know people who who have died who are who would have had the proverbial big funeral and now haven't had. So it, it's heartbreaking for people. It really is. Yeah, and and it's uh, it's I imagine you know it's similar. Obviously, uh, I think it's a very uh, difficult time for everybody involved. Obviously, for the bereaved family, it's a stressful time for the uh, funeral directors, uh, a stressful time for the uh, priests who are dealing with the family. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a a great sensitivity. Uh, that prevails around respecting the need to protect others and at the same time to honour the life and memory of the one who has died. And to do it in such a way that that takes all the factors into consideration. Uh, And I take my hat off to, you know, so many who are in that situation and... uh, who are dealing with it, as I say, with just a great level of sensitivity. 
Yeah, and you know, as we say to people, you can reach out to the bereaved, you know, you can call them, you can write to them, you know, you can you can still be with them. If sure. Just if, just Because I thought one of the saddest ones, it was the picture that went up on the paper during the week of that man from Dublin saying goodbye to his brother standing up on the bench looking oh, in the yeah, window. It was just absolutely uh, heartbreaking. Okay, listen, it's been a real pleasure. Before we, we'll let you finish with a message from both of you on this Good Friday as we head into this uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, Bishop Crean, what is your message to people this Easter? Uh, Well, I mean, the the great message of Easter is the light that the risen Christ brings to life. That death uh, hasn't had or does not have the last word, that there is a light of hope that shines brightly for us uh, through our faith, and uh, it's that light of hope that will sustain us through this time of darkness, and God willing, bring us through into a greater light into the future. Well said. Bishop Colton? Well, Bishop Crean, uh, Bishop Gavin in Cork and Ross and I, on that very note, have asked that where it's possible lights be left on in churches over the night on, on Saturday as a sign of that light which Bishop Crean has spoken about. My particular thoughts today on this Good Friday are with the people who carry heavy crosses of all sorts. People are stretched to the limits of human endurance, either in work or in the particular situation. So my thoughts and prayers are with those people. And as Bishop uh, Crean says, the message, the Christian message is that uh, following suffering and crucifixion comes resurrection, life and hope. Listen, can we wish you both a happy and a peaceful Easter and more than anything, stay safe and we appreciate you taking time out to join and us today. Too, God happy, bless. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. God bless. And Bishop Paul, have a happy Bye, Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye. That is uh, Bishop William Crean the Bishop of Cloyne and uh, Bishop uh, Paul Colton, the Bishop of Cloyne, Cork Cloyne and uh, Ross. Uh, we just couldn't let Easter pass uh, without having them both on the programme today. 1850-333-103, John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Through government decisions, the mobilisation of communities and the leadership of our incredible healthcare professionals, we can have a profound effect on the impact of this pandemic on our people. We have so many heroes manning our front lines, but we need everyone in this country to be a hero. Be a hero in their own home, be a hero in their community by taking the actions that will save lives. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And uh, a lot of people saying, well done for having the bishops join us uh, on the programme today. And here's a lovely text saying, uh, please tell the bishops we never realised how much our churches and religion meant to us. It was a very brave decision to close the churches. We can pray anywhere and light a candle from home. I think people are trying to be more tolerant with each other now that we're all living under the one roof. It's lovely to check out other churches and masses online from different parishes. It's shaking it up a bit. Easter's seems to be a time of year when history is made. Keep safe and well, all of you. 
and we should have a great holy celebration of thanksgiving once this is all over and by goodness uh, we that's exactly what we should do and uh, we will welcome that day now the president of uh, Ireland Michael D Higgins has sent us an easter message this easter 2020 is a challenging time for so many all of our irish family and particularly those abroad are very much in the thoughts of loved ones during these difficult days as we strive together to come to terms with the coronavirus and its consequences. Over the past number of weeks, all of us have woken abruptly to changes in our way of life. There is an uncertainty, anxiety and fear to be overcome as the coronavirus takes hold in our communities. We have all been asked to take more restrictive measures in order to stop the spread of the virus. Measures that would have been unimaginable just a few weeks ago and which have presented a challenge to our resolve, to our way of life, be it how we work or socialise with others. As the number of coronavirus cases rises and the global death toll accumulates to shocking levels, it would be easy to become overwhelmed. Sabina and I are greatly aware of the pain and suffering so many of you are experiencing in different ways. We send our deepest sympathies to those who have been bereaved in recent days and weeks as a result of the pandemic, those who are ill, anxious and concerned. We know too how difficult it is in so many ways for those who would wish to be with loved ones for whom they are concerned, but whose protection requires that they stay at a distance. All of what we are asked to do now is about saving lives, slowing down, the spread of the virus, and caring in the ways that have been suggested to us by medical advice until a vaccine emerges. May I take this opportunity again as President of Ireland to thank all those who continue to work tirelessly and selflessly to keep communities, wherever they may be, healthy and safe. The many Irish medical staff who are providing the highest standards of care, not only at home but across the globe, To all of you responding to this crisis, including those in retail, pharmaceuticals, other vital sectors, providing essential goods and services, such as maintaining the settings for medical care, Buikas Okri. The Irish community abroad, which extends to some 75 million in its widest definition, is a community united by its roots to Ireland, but also by these shared values that our Irishness embodies. Sabina and I would like to convey the sympathy and solidarity of the Irish people at home to our wider global family, as we share together in our different places a response to this challenging crisis. A response that I believe will lead us towards a further strengthening of the values of empathy, compassion, inclusion and shared humanity. Values that have always defined us as a nation and which have been so much in evidence in recent weeks. Irish people have always made an enormous contribution to the nations in which they've settled, be it temporarily or permanently. And you continue to do so at this time of great need. To those of you abroad, may I express again how deeply grateful I am to those of you who are reaching out a hand of friendship and support to your fellow Irish immigrants, in particular to those who are ill, bereaved or in particular need of assistance at this challenging time. To know of your compassion and practical assistance 
is of great comfort to their families and loved ones at home. Easter is a time of hope, of rebirth, of new beginnings. That is what is central in the various religious services, the transcendence of suffering. Nature in its renewal offers us perennial hope as we deal with these difficult times. Just as the seasons change, this crisis too will pass, but its severity and magnitude are to a large extent in our hands. Kahamid our Mishnah Kavuskut is a kunyal onuskumemid raid and ashari a yukik. At Easter, we're asked to muster our courage, keep faith with our possibilities so that we can be ready for our renewal. In keeping with the Easter message of hope, Irish people are being asked to place a light in their window tomorrow, the Saturday before Easter Sunday, a time so important in the symbolism of our Irish independence. Sabine and I will light lanterns and place these at the doors in Ors and Uttroen, symbolising our shared solidarity and offering a beacon of hope in a time of darkness. The days ahead may continue to be difficult, and for some I recognise they are more difficult than others, such as carers. But what a memory it will be, and legacy too, when the virus has passed, to know that we gave of our best, and what a valuable memory it will be, that we continue to save lives that would otherwise have been lost, by cooperating and working with the measures suggested to us for the good of all. As President of Ireland, Maruk Tranhelm, I send you Easter greetings wherever you may be and wish you well in your solidarity, vigilance and tenacity during these difficult times when we are tested like few other times in recent memory. In the shadow of each other we live. May the hope and peace of Easter be with you all. It's true, in the shadow of all of us we live. Uh, thank you. What a lovely, lovely man that is uh, our President Michael D. Higgins. And can we wish Michael D. Higgins and Sabina a very happy and a peaceful Easter. And also happy Easter to Catherine and Tommy sent in a lovely picture. I don't know if that's your garden with Easter bunny in it. It's, it's really lovely. Um, missing the kisses and the cuddles from our grandchildren, aren't we all? And uh, wanted to wish us all a happy Easter and many happy returns. We hope you have a lovely Easter as well. Now we are continuing to raise funds for our frontline legend uh, today joining forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and the CUH uh, charity and Dr Dorothy Brian is clinical lead for quality in Cork University Hospital she's also a consultant in intensive care um, Dorothy spoke to our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran on conditions in CUH and the atmosphere with staff there well, the staff have been working very hard, basically, to prepare as best they possibly can. Um, and I think the overriding feeling is people wanting to do the best they can for all patients, basically all COVID and non-COVID patients. Um, and that has been working really collaboratively with each other. And that's everybody, um, doctors, nurses, other health and social care professionals, supported security, housekeeping, cleaning staff. Everyone has worked really close together. Um, there's been a lot of redeployment of staff. Um, priorities have shifted on a daily basis. So it's been challenging, but the overriding feeling is of wanting to do our best to prepare for this surge. And as I say, to to make sure we do uh, the best care we can for everybody. And are you expecting this surge that we're all hearing about? 
Um, well, we're preparing for it, um, yes. and that's that is our job is to prepare for it. So, um, I guess you know, um, learning from other countries, uh, we've all been listening closely what the um, the sort of nuggets of learning has been and the way best to prepare for the for a surge is. So, that's what we've been busy doing for the last few weeks. Yeah. And our staff remaining upbeat. What kind of atmosphere is there like amongst the staff? Um, well, I suppose it is a challenging time. There's no getting around that. Um, but uh, staff are rising to the challenge. Um, as I said, on the positive side is, you know, it's sort of a, a feeling of, you know, we are all in this together and um, we're, you know, the support from the public has been enormous. Um, and people are very grateful for that. And they feel that every day. So um, and I think that carries people forward. Um, and I think having the overall mission and vision to treat people as best we can is carrying people forward. And this fundraiser that we're running on Friday, um, a lot of money that's raised for CUH will go towards creating relaxing areas both inside and outside for staff. What will that mean to the staff at CUH? Well, I guess that the executive management team of the hospital have sort of identified that, you know, wellness areas would be a good thing to do for staff. Um, and I guess we're creating both an internal and an external wellness area. Um, so, you know, an internal wellness area where people can go and relax, have a cup of coffee, listen to music, you know, um, and then supplemented with an external area where you can go and get fresh air. Um, I think we're all appreciating the value of fresh air at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be an enormous amount for staff. And what would you say to people on Friday? I mean, I know it's um, a tough time for everybody, but you know to get that support from people whether it's in terms of you know a monetary donation or just you know an expression of gratitude or thanks or support what does that mean to the morale of staff oh i think that means everything pretty much um and as i say you know uh it can be in the form of a donation as you say or it could be just in the form of we know the support that people feel for the staff in the hospitals at the moment and I guess not to forget that the biggest thing that people can do is to follow the HSE advice and support us. Thanks a million. That was Fiona Corcoran speaking with Dr. Dorothy Breen, clinical lead for quality in uh, CUH and a consultant in intensive care. Just talking about how important that support that's coming through uh, today, even if it's only shout outs and there's a number of people have been on wanting us to say hi to various people. Like, for example, just spotted a text saying, could you say a big hello to all in Bantry Hospital, especially Siobhan Carroll and its love from the twins, Shane and Aaron and Mam. And the message to one and all is simply stay uh, safe. And someone else says, Patricia, would it be possible to give a shout out to Bantry Red Cross? They're out on duty today, helping people for shopping, delivery of medication, etc. No job too big or too small. They're dressed in the uniform and they all have their ID badges with them. And you can contact them if you're in the Bantry area in need of help from the Red Cross. 087-123-5546. And that's from Joan the uh, chairperson and thank you Joan for the birthday wishes so lots of shout outs like that going on you can keep those coming and keep donating uh, folks it is 1850 
9696 or you can click on our website c103.ie if you would like to make a once-off donation for 19 euro. It's for Cork Frontline Legends with Noel DC Skoda. New Mallow Road Cork proud to get behind those steering us through the COVID-19 crisis. NoelDC.com We're going to take a break and we're heading towards the news at 12 midday. Cork Today on C103 with Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Tauker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And there's a couple of requests coming in for people who have birthdays. And thank you, by the way, and I'm not ignoring them, but I just could possibly call them all out. Thank you to people who are taking time out to text and message to wish me happy birthday for today and John Paul happy birthday for tomorrow. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm not ignoring them by not calling them out, but we'd be here all day. But thank you. Uh, there's a, a regular listener, Mary O'Connell from Caesar Grove in Bishopstown. Good afternoon to you, Mary. I'm told you've got a big birthday tomorrow. And the message in from all of your friends who are known as the Golden Girls will all join in in the great celebration when this is all over. Have a lovely day tomorrow. That is Mary O'Connell. And Breathe in Mallow tells me her sister-in-law, Martina, has a birthday today. Happy birthday to you, Martina. We hope you're having a lovely, lovely day. And someone else says, if you get a chance, would you wish a very happy birthday to an amazing Nana? That's Margaret Corcoran, who's cocooning and celebrating her birthday next Monday. A very happy Easter and a very happy birthday to Nana Margaret Corcoran. Love and best wishes from Roisin, Molly, Aaron, Jack and Declan. So many people across the weekend will be celebrating and celebrating birthdays and going with virtual hugs and we'll be reconnecting with people over the phone and you can do it on FaceTime and Skype etc. Lots and lots of ways to stay connected. Keep your donations coming in for our Cork Frontline Legends uh, please. 1850 and you can go on our website as well c103.ie. Phone lines have been busy so do bear with us and anyone who sent in a text to our text message service here you will get a call back so bear with us on that please. As far as I know, I think the online is going okay. It was crashing earlier. There was a a volume of people all trying to connect at the same time. But uh, keep trying, c103.ie. And by the way, you can also send in a voice message on WhatsApp. If there's anyone in particular who's working in the front line who deserves a particular mention. So if you want to do that, just send in a voice app on on our WhatsApp service. We're we're looking forward to hearing those as well. 0862 103 103. That's if there's someone you know who's working in the front line and that you think deserve a, a message. Listen to the news there with Barry. And I always around Easter, and not necessarily Easter, but I always around my birthday think of the Titanic because 
because the Titanic set sail on this day it was the 10th of April. I think probably was one of the reasons while growing up I've always been obsessed with the story of the Titanic and it was probably to do with the fact that because I was born on the 10th of April and that was the day that it set sail so I imagine as I was growing up around my birthday there must have always been mention about the Titanic and the movie was you know the old black and white movie was probably uh, on so I've always had sort of a huge affinity and, and a sense of sadness for the people whose lives were lost on you know at this time in 1912 so that's why I was listening with interest to Barry when he did his news story and when I heard that a solitary floral tribute will be placed on the Titanic Memorial in uh, Cove it's the 108th anniversary of the sinking of the ship this weekend and it's the first time in more than 20 years that there'll be no public event to mark the occasion and that's obviously due to the COVID-19 lockdown. Tourism officials in the town they were still keen to mark the anniversary because it was tomorrow the 11th of April back in 1912 that more than 100 passengers boarded the Titanic when it came into COVID as it was Queenstown as it was known then and that of course was the last port of call and the the ship um, headed it had come from Southampton to Cove and then headed out into New, into New York and then of course on the 14th it hit an iceberg in the North Atlantic and sank with the loss of more than 1,500 lives and I read in the paper today that the Cove Tourism Chairman Jack Walsh is, is still inviting people to remember those whose lives were lost on the Titanic and to say a prayer and share a thought on Saturday and he says as you remember all of those who died on the Titanic please also think of all of those who have been taken from us in this current pandemic absolutely absolutely so we will remember them all uh, this weekend and actually talking of anniversaries it's the it's the actual anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement now we remember the Good Friday Agreement uh, every year but of course because Good Friday is a movable feast it doesn't land on the same day every year but the Good Friday Agreement when it was signed back in 1998 was the 10th of April and again it's only because it was my birthday it's one of those dates that I always remember as well and this is the first time since the signing of the Good Friday Agreement in 1998 that it's fallen on on, a, on Good Friday again so we remember that amazing event that happened and it was the peace agreement between the British and the Irish governments and most of the political parties in Northern Ireland and uh, of course it was all to do with how Northern Ireland would be governed so we, re- we remember that event today uh, as well. 1850 Let me go to some of your thoughts coming into the programme today. Hi Patricia this is from Dan in Mallow. I have been through five check points yesterday going to and from Limerick for work reasons. The Gardaí are doing a fantastic job and they deserve great credit but I noticed that while in the queue for every single checkpoint not one car was turned back and nobody seemed to be showing the letters proving work related tasks. Maybe they should be stricter on this and not believe everyone as it's clear that a lot of people got through to their holiday homes despite the roadblocks. There should be zero tolerance with on the spot fines, five penalty points points for those who are brazen enough to disregard the rules and efforts being made from the frontline workers in the wider community of good and compliant people and that's from Dan in Mallow. I mean there was checkpoints I think did I read there was 600 checkpoints there was 2,500 Gardaí out yesterday and I missed you. I was stopped yesterday twice going to work and coming from work and actually coming from work 
the guard that took the letter that I have with me. So it's, they are checking, they are checking the letters. And I know John Paul yesterday was stopped and he said his letter was really scrutinised as well. So, you know, I, I suppose it depends on what checkpoint that you actually pull up at. We did hear from others that people were being turned back and certainly we were hearing they manned the, the a lot of the roads out of Dublin and heading into West Cork, I know there was checkpoints. Now, I don't know if anybody witnessed anybody actually being turned around, but the Gardaí say that they, you know, they did scrutinise all of the cars uh, coming and asked people where they were going. And I suppose the telltale sign of somebody heading to a holiday home would be a car full to the brim of, you know, with everybody, everything by the kitchen sink in the back of the car would be a bit of a telltale sign that they're heading away and that they're not heading out for work related. So you could just have been in a line of cars where there was just one person and they were all heading to and from at work. Hi Patricia, the Irish are asked to stay at home yet we see lines of cars on the motorway and the roads, ferry passengers, caravans driving into and uh, into Ireland from the UK. What's going on? Well, when I mentioned that earlier, I don't know if you've just joined me, the, there was somebody, a reporter had up to Dublin to the ports to the ferries that were coming in from England into Dublin into Hollyhead yesterday and there was very very few cars and if anything the handful of cars that did roll off the ferry it was very obvious that the majority of the people were doing it for business reasons so you so there certainly isn't ferry loads of people coming from uh, England for sure 1850 let me look at what else is here by oh this is one that I want to give a mention to uh, hi Patricia could you tell me our hardware stores and garden centres due to open is there any way you can find out for me please have a restful weekend thank you for that okay just to give you the update on this, hardware stores and garden centres can legally reopen. Now, this was under new rules signed by Minister Simon Harris on Wednesday. But the government are asking them to at least remain closed for the Easter weekend. There was somewhat confusion yesterday over the new batch of COVID-19 restrictions because when they got when the new rules restrictions got signed off, Hardware stores were deemed essential retail outlets, along with newsagents and uh, pharmacies. So what happened was when the Minister for Health signed in the new laws for the Gardaí, giving you know, the Gardaí the new, the new powers, as part of that, they deemed that hardware stores, and of course hardware stores majority of them have a garden centre attached, would now be classified as retail outlets, essential retail outlets. It put them into the same category as supermarkets, pharmacies, petrol stations, dry cleaners, post offices and banks. So they were all allowed to remain open. So they changed the rules and said, OK, it was OK now for hardware stores and garden centres. But Tony Houlihan he wasn't that happy about it. He doesn't believe that they're essential retail outlets. He asked for them to remain closed, but by the letter of the law, they can open. Now, I know Woody's, which would be the largest DIY supplier, they've come out and said that their stores are going to remain closed. So from what I can gather, by the letter of the law now, if a hardware store and a garden centre wants to open, they can. But it is really going to be an individual, ch- an individual choice. 
I mean, the health experts are saying, please remain closed. I think people even within government are saying at least remain closed until after the bank holiday weekend, because the fear is with people having nothing to do, more time on their hands. And I know many people will be very pleased to see garden centres open and hardware stores we certainly have had a number of calls in from people saying they want to buy paint, they want to get DIY equipment. Others are spending more time in the garden. They want to buy the items that they need in order to do more work in the garden. So I can see the theories to why they open. But what we don't want is that everybody descends on the hardware stores and the garden centre at the same time. I'm assuming that the ones that do decide to open, it'll be, little bit, it'll be a little bit like the way we operate when we go into the supermarket. I imagine there will be queues outside. You'll go in in an orderly fashion you'll be probably encouraged not to browse so again as with when we do our shopping for the essentials do it with a purpose know in advance what you need to go in I mean if you're going for paint make sure you know in your head the colour that you that you want to get so when you go in you can just go to the shelves and get it same with gardening items probably a little bit harder with the garden centres because we know in garden centres you have a tendency to browse and you're looking would that work in that corner would that work in that corner so I don't quite know how it's going to operate but my advice to people you're going to have to contact either go online and take a look and I'm assuming they'll put up notices online or if you can ring your local hardware store your garden uh, centre but we've no way of knowing which ones are going to open and which ones are not going to open because it's very much going to be an individual choice. Some I imagine may decide to heed the advice of the Chief Medical Officer Dr Houlihan and decide not to open and others will go no we're now allowed to open so we are going to open because our customers there is a demand there so you just need to ring your local hardware or garden centre before you make any unnecessary journey. Dan in Mallow says last night in the Mallow area I saw two young men out cycling one turned around and came back to shake hands with the other one they couldn't have been more than a foot apart what are people doing there certainly wasn't any social distancing going on there says our Dan in Mallow uh, hi uh, Patricia I was in Formoy doing my weekly shop yesterday afternoon supermarkets were very busy I was expecting to see at least one Gardaí out and about on the beat in Formoy or at least a checkpoint there wasn't a guard to be seen I thought there was a crackdown at the moment said Tom what there was there was 600 checkpoints yesterday now I don't know if they were doing it on main streets in towns I didn't hear of any checkpoints checkpoints have a tendency to be on the lead into towns or places where they certainly yesterday I think the focus was put on the roads leading out of major cities and the roads leading into the scenic areas. They were trying to stop people from travelling from, from what I can gather. That's certainly what the focus was uh, yesterday. And Mitch's town listener says, Patricia, I was just thinking, can the, could the virus be on our shoes? I've seen in other, on the TV, other countries are out hosing down their streets, uh, thanking you. Any of the places hosing down the streets in New York was one of the ones and they certainly did it in Wuhan in uh, China. They were areas where they have a a lot of real big clusters of the virus. Could could you get it on your shoes? Well, yeah. I mean, if somebody has the virus and is out and about and is not doing proper sneezing and coughing etiquette and sneezes all over the place and it lands on the ground and then you walk along, of course, your shoes, it could stick to it and and you could bring it in. I think the advice if you, you know, if if you're very nervous about it and and fearful that you were in an area, of course, none of us know if you're in an area where somebody has been with coronavirus or not. Um, What I would suggest that you do is you take your shoes off as soon as you go inside the door. I mean, I think I watched a programme last night where 
they were going through how to protect ourselves in our homes if, if you um, I mean we, we would nearly be living in a total clinical environment and, and we all do our best to keep our houses clean but if you're worried about your shoes the advice that I saw last night was as you come in the door you take your, your shoes off and of course if you're using your hands to take your shoes off and of course as soon as we go back indoors the first thing you're meant to do is wash your hands so take your shoes off and leave your shoes off inside your door inside the door and if you're worried I mean you could spray a bit of disinfectant bleach good old household bleach it doesn't need to be any of the expensive brands by far they were saying the experts by far the best to kill off the virus if you wanted to spray the soles of your shoes if you wanted as well but if not just leave them inside the door and just you know stick to the one pair of shoes was the other piece of advice but the washing of the hands it's the washing of the hands I mean if you did pick up the virus on the soles of your shoes the virus then has to get onto your hands get into your mouth get up your nose or get into your eyes so even if it's on the soles of your shoes it's not going to do you any harm unless you somehow get it in through your eyes your nose or your mouth so we are back to the good hand hygiene and how we need to keep that going all of the time. Hi Patricia please give a shout out to all of those working on the front line in the Cope Foundation especially in Glen Lodge in Mallow. My husband is working there. Don't have hubby's name but that's from Michelle. So hi to everybody in the Cope Foundation. Of course a lot of the residential uh, units still up and uh, running. Well I'll, I'll give a quick mention to those in St. Joseph's Foundation. I know the day services are closed because Marsh is at home with us having her best life I have to say. She's a total home bird. She's loving the idea of not having to get up early and head away on the bus into the workshop so she certainly is enjoying it probably the only one possibly who's enjoying the lockdown but I know all of the residential units at St. Joe's Foundation they're all at work so hi to all the gang there and I'm assuming it's the very same for co-action in uh, West in West Cork as well and all of the Cope Foundation and Enable Ireland across the city and uh, county so we think of all of those in residential units as well 1850 Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. And we can all do our bit to help the frontline workers today. And actually, during the week, I saw a tweet, and I won't mention her name, but it was a young female hospital doctor here in Cork. And just before she went to bed, she put out a tweet on Twitter and it got a huge reaction. But just let me let me read to you what she said. Um, two hours ago, I was 13 hours into a shift. No proper food since lunch. I was with a COVID patient trying to put in a line. Sweat pouring out of me. I had a headache. Gloves were slipping with the sweat. The goggles were starting to fog up. I thought to myself, by God, wouldn't it be very nice to be cocooned now? And then she just put the hashtag uh, stay at home. Now she got a huge reaction to it. And then bless her heart, eight hours later, she obviously woke up. She fell in, you know, just did it before she went to bed. And then eight hours later, she woke up and saw the reaction that she got. And she then she retweeted or she put out a tweet saying, I put that tweet up and went straight to sleep. Thanks everyone for all your messages. I'm much less cranky this morning. I'm grateful to have PPE for protection. And I'm very conscious that colleagues in other hospitals have a tougher fight at uh, present. Bless her heart. She always wanted to justify why she was giving out. But I just thought it summed up um, the, you know, uh, two uh, two hours ago uh, uh, was 13 hours into a shift. So she obviously did nearly 15 hours on a shift just doing the most incredible work. We have another interview that our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran 
has done for us and we're, we're very thankful uh, to Fiona because we appreciate how busy the frontline workers are so we weren't expecting them to join us live today so Fiona did great work uh, hooking up with the various hospitals for us to, to just to get a feeling and a flavour of what's going on there and this is Dr Mary Horgan who's a consultant in infectious diseases she works at Cork University Hospital and she spoke to Fiona on how busy CUH is currently and also what the working environment is like It is busy but the we were fortunate here in that there was a lot of preparation done in January and February in anticipation of what may have become subsequently did become a, a big issue for the Irish healthcare system. So the preparation that was put in by the management and and the consultants as as well as the nurses on the ground made a huge difference. So that when um, the infection came and, you know, uh, Cork had the first documented um, person with COVID-19 in the country. Um, there was, I suppose, the, the teamwork was already there. The processes were in place. And that was that was really important uh, work to have done because it protected those that come and continue to come into the hospital who don't have COVID-19 from getting it. And it allowed those with COVID-19 to get the required support when it comes to oxygen, nursing, protecting the frontline staff, physiotherapy um, very uh, easily. So that organization in the beginning was absolutely essential in in how we um how we manage our patients and i suppose you asked what the situation is now i mean i've been, I've been a doctor for over 30 years now and it's a strange experience coming into the hospital where all the only people in the hospital are the staff and the patients there are no other people um which makes it very difficult for for families not to be able to see their loved ones um but it is a tr- strange experience because none of us and, and certainly for me who's been practicing a long time um, never has had that experience before um the what what what's striking is the camaraderie um the, the teamwork right across the hospital um, from the, the CEO, the director of nursing, all the nursing staff, the cleaners, the um, porters um, and all the um, other staff, and whether it's an x-ray or, or physiotherapy, how really everyone has come together and made the hospital such an efficient machine. So would staff morale be fairly upbeat then so at the minute? Yes, uh, yes, it is. And I, I think um, there's a number of reasons for that. I, I think that camaraderie is, is really good. Um, we have a hugely supportive um, executive management team here who listen to the frontline staff and act on their needs. Um, the, uh, and, you know, it is in difficult circumstances, because I will say again, as an infectious disease physician, never before have I felt more vulnerable and more afraid of getting an infection. And that's why the, that support uh, that we have for management is so important that we get the proper, everyone will know what PPE is, uh, that's their uh, personal protective equipment. So when we go in to see a patient that we are protected um, and, and therefore our colleagues are protected and our, our you know, we all have families too to go home to and they're, they're protected. So, um, and, you know, it's so satisfying seeing people who become really sick, um, whether they end up mentally 
ventilators or need a lot of oxygen on the wards, getting better and being so grateful uh, for the care that they've gotten. I don't think I have, now. I mean, we're respected as healthcare workers all the time, but the amount of public support um, for us has been incredible. Thank you. That is Dr. Mary uh, Horgan, a consultant in infectious diseases. And I'm told we're experiencing a high volume of calls and traffic to our website and phones to donate to Cork, uh, Cork's frontline legend. So if you're having to wait to donate, bear with us. You can text your name and number to our regular studio lines here and somebody will call you back. OK, that's for people. I know it can get very frustrating when you're trying to send uh, money on and you're trying to donate and you're not uh, getting through. So if you're having difficulty getting through on the 1850 50 or if you're having problems on our website c103.ie just text the regular service. Just leave, just pop a message to us with your name uh, your number's already on it so just put in your name saying you want to donate and we'll get somebody from the call centre will get back to you we've been asked to do a big shout out to the frontline staff at Centre in Buttevant Hi uh, Patricia just wondering is the closed department in Dunn stores in McCroom open today we're just asking around I haven't been in Dunn's lately so I don't know does anybody know if the closed department in the Dunn stores are open or not or is it just the grocery say hi to all the staff in the Bantry Fire Brigade especially Eugene Mann at the driver uh, that's from here your cousin in Dunmanway hi Patricia I was in Formoy yesterday and again today town is packed with people and cars I was in two shops people will not stay the correct distance of two metres my wife ended up having to ask two people to please move but they wouldn't the town was like Christmas Eve today is the same that's from Martin in Formoy oh, yeah there's a sense of a bank holiday weekend people need to just yeah People need to be just try and respect other people's space because you don't know what's going on in somebody else's life and why somebody else may be just terrified of being near anyone. So please, people, try to respect social distancing and keep the two metres away. Una says, Patricia, thank you for your show. I'm glad to do it. I wonder, will the checkpoints operate after the weekend with so many off work and children's officially on Easter holidays uh, people will want to be going to their holiday homes and caravans they might let it go this week but they might surface again next week you'd want to be very brave now to head away to a tourist area because the word has gone out that the locals don't want you there and I certainly would not want to be staying anywhere where I felt I wasn't welcomed and their message has really gone out to people Listen, when all this is finished, we'll love you to come back. But for the moment, please stay well away. away. The, around Leppin, Glandor, a lot of English cars, a lot of Dublin Reg cars. We're still getting those calls in from uh, West Cork as well. 1850 Hi, Patricia. I was stopped at a guard at the checkpoint on the Navigation Road in Mallow this morning at 9am. I was delighted to see them there. They were, I was going for the early shop in Tesco, which is for the seniors, which, by the way, says Mary's a great service. Have a very relaxing Easter. And actually, Mary sent down a lovely poem that's worth giving a mention. It's just a short little poem. You know, these ones that are doing the rounds on WhatsApp. I heard a little rumour. I don't know if it's true that the world is going to be at peace for at least a month or maybe two. I heard that folk must stay at home and spend time with their kin. Slow down, relax, take a breath and find some peace within. And though we may be worried about money, jobs and bills, we will notice beauty everywhere. Blue skies, fresh lakes, green hills. And when a month or two is over and we can all go back to our lives, people will show gratitude. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Our loved ones all survived. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Lots of people are watching movies. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, is with us while people are self-isolating and cocooning and we're all at home more. Uh, lots of movies for us, us to watch. No cinema at the moment, but everything's been streamed online, including new movies. And they signed yeah, and this is one of them, actually, The Hunter. This should be in cinemas right now, but they decided, look, you know, nobody's going to the cinema, so let's put it up on uh, video on demand. So it is available there for you, as are like films like Emma and a few others as well. OK, let's take a trailer from Hunt. Warning. March 13th. What is happening? What, what is all of this? Oh Hunting season begins. Why they kidnap a bunch of normal folk like us? At the manor. Put them in the back with the rest. There's no escape. You have no idea what you're up against. Oh, I know straight away. This is kind of one you at the edge of your seat. Are you watching this? No, you're going to hate yeah, it. Sure. I've just, oh, I <laughs> yeah, straight off. <laughs> Even the picture with the pig, I'm thinking, oh, and violence, everything, disturbance. Doesn't end well for the pig either, well. Oh, okay. <laughs> Definitely one's not for me, but go on no. for everybody else. And I would normally not say that, by the way. I would normally yeah. say, look, you know, I'd never tell somebody not to watch, watch it, it, but, but I, I, know I, know, you, yeah. I know you're going to hate this. Okay, so. go on. <laughs> it's a very, very controversial film because it was meant to come out uh, last year. Uh, but um, around the time of its release in America, there were a couple of uh, mass shootings and around the same time I think Donald Trump had a go at Hollywood saying you know you're just uh, producing just nonsense and violence and nastiness and this was kind of very much kind of caught up in that in fact on its poster it says this is the film that everybody's talking about but nobody has ever even seen uh, so they decided yeah so um, because and there's reasons for it because it's extraordinarily violent and um, and even I I mean the first 15-20 minutes is some of the most violent kind of stuff I've seen in cinema for a very long time at one stage I had to look away I just went Oh, goodness me and there's a lot of scenes uh, like that in the film um, you know storyline um, well the storyline but the thing is, is that it is it is you know it is trying to say something and it's, it's not just a kind of just a piece of kind of uh, violent nonsense it is a satire I mean the guys are actually trying to say something here about American politics and okay. the difference between the right and the left and both but the problem is that both the right and the left hated this movie and they didn't want it to, to see the light of day at all which is why they put it on video on demand it's directed by Craig Zobel who uh, directed a very very uncomfortable film to watch another one uh, recently called uh, Compliance and basically it's about these 12 people who suddenly wake up from uh, unconsciousness and they're in a field and uh, there's a box Strangers Yeah, strangers that they've never met before uh, all different kinds men, women you know and uh, they see this box they open the box and the box has got rifles and it's guns and, uh, and they think well what's going on then realise they realise suddenly they're under fire 
And so they're bait, basically. And so people um, kill them for fun. Now, the thing is, the interesting thing is what they've decided to do here is kind of make this matter in the sense that the people who are under fire tend to be kind of more kind of right wing kind of um, Americans. And yeah. therefore, the people who are shooting them are, are the left wing. Are the left wing. So okay. that, which is why both sides absolutely hated the film. Yeah. And both sides are actually, in fact, if anything, this left wing here is the, the, the left wing kind of liberal elite who are kind of really kind of portrayed really, really badly here uh, as just being kind of, you know, they're so um, intensely caught up with their own self-righteousness that uh, you know, the reality of what they're doing, uh, you know, isn't apparent to them. Yeah. And so for that first 15, 20 minutes, there's an extraordinarily amount of violence as they're just getting wiped out, apart from one character, uh, the character of Crystal here, who's played by uh, Betty Gilpin, who presented this really, really weird kind of mannered performance. But uh, it turns out that uh, she has some kind of military back, uh, background and she decides to kind of fight back. Uh, we've seen this kind of, bef- uh, kind of story before. It was, uh, there was a film with John called Van Damme called Hard Target some time ago. It sounds like a John Van, Van Damme movie. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and this storyline has kind of been done before, but not this kind of level of violence. Um, the the I'll tell you what the problem is. There's 70% of this is really, really good and important, and I think, and 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 clever. Uh, there's about 20% of it, which is kind of average. But then there's the 10% of it, which is really, really dumb and stupid. And that's where the film loses its impact, for me anyway. There's a fight scene at the end, which is a very, very good fight scene. And the two women involved do put a lot of effort into it. But the problem is, is that the fight scene should never have happened. All the time I'm thinking, this fight scene would not happen. Why is this happening? And um, there's kind of attempts at humour throughout uh, the film, which don't work and undermines what is really really an interesting story there's a very good film trying to get out here and I wondered if it was made by more intelligent people would it have been better okay it's called Hunt uh, Market Out of 10 uh, it's called The Hunt, um, the Hunt it, it is an 18 cert and many yeah. films aren't 18 certs these days and yeah. that just goes to show how much uh, the level of violence this is not a family film by okay way. It's, I'll give it the 70% that's good I'll give it 7 then. 7 out of 10 yeah. okay and then 10 minutes gone yeah there's dopey dopey film which uh, this is the kind of film which it's would Bruce go Bruce Willis is it yeah, Bruce Willis in the picture yeah. well, well he's in everything yeah himself and Nicolas Cage seem to be battling to just about make anything they just don't care they're like yeah I'll make it just give me the money and that's what's happened here unfortunately and this is normally the kind of film that would go to video on demand because you know every time I look to uh, kind of do a uh, review God, he's getting old sorry I'm just looking at the pictures isn't he I think he looks all right for his yeah, age. Okay. He's in the 60s now, isn't he? Is he in the 60s? Mind you, he's in this with Michael Chiklis, who's also bald. Yeah. And at first I thought, oh, they're obviously going to play brothers. But apparently Bruce is very, very sensitive about his page. Uh, and he, yes. Uh, <laughs> mind you, Michael Chiklis the whole time looks like Ross Kemp. The only, every time I see him, I'm thinking... He should be in EastEnders, shouldn't he? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've got two pretty good stars who have done some pretty good work in the past, basically just phoning in this kind of uh, performances in this really, really dopey film. The 10 minutes gone re- relates to the fact that Michael Chiklis, he robs this bank with his cousin. And uh, when they come out of the bank, uh, he gets hit over the head, loses 10 minutes. He wakes up, his cousin is dead, and he realises he's being framed for that. And then he, in order to determine who kind of sabotaged him, he's got to try and retrace those 10 minutes that he lost. Okay. But it's so stupid. I mean, when he gets hit over the head, he gets hit over the head so hard that he's out for 10 minutes yet when he wakes up the camera kind of pans around his head there's not a scratch there's not a bruise on his head and it's just stupid and the reason why they came out of the bank by the way is because the cops arrived but obviously they obviously didn't go around the back door yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and find this man and this other man dead on the floor and think oh what are they doing there could they have anything to do big and that's gaping it. hole in the storyline there yeah, then. And there's, there's loads of them it's terribly cliche the script is terrible it really is dreadful I was bored to tears and I watched it about um, a week and a half ago I can't remember too much about it and that's not a good sign <laughs> OK 10 minutes gone uh, and that's an hour and a half of your life you'll never get back Mark a letter 10 yeah that's gone too yeah. um, uh, 3 
Three. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's ten minutes gone. Listen, Mark, thank you for that. Have a lovely Easter, and we'll talk to you next Friday. A lovely text in to say, just happy Easter, many happy returns uh, to you. A special thank you to a lady called Catherine in the Slip area of Bantry. She works in Bantry Hospital, and she made a point of cooking a large shepherd's pie last week for a neighbour who had a sudden family bereavement last week. She'll know exactly who she is. Kind regards. My goodness, that those acts of kindness for people that are going through bereavement at the moment and it's so hard because you can't go to them you can't be with them you can't give them a hug like we normally would and people are great so well done whoever that lady Catherine is slip area of uh, Bantry uh, the person and the family you helped out uh, really appreciate it uh, Jackie Carroll from Canturk wants to say a big shout out to all the nurses and doctors as well as all the kitchen staff at CUH great frontline workers someone else these are people who contacted the um 1850 59696 and they were talking to the operators they got the opportunity to leave a quick message no amount of money said somebody else would ever be good enough for those saints each and every one of you thanking you each and every day someone else said all heroes do not wear capes keep up the excellent work and stay safe for our heroes that are unwell with the virus let's not forget them get well soon and one thing another listener says that the crisis has shown me uh, is that the ones we need most in society are doing the real work you are the real uh, heroes in the front line and hi to Megan Rowland who's a nurse in the Mercy Covid ward and someone else says thanks to all the frontline staff the shop workers the pharmacy workers the rubbish collectors the guardy the doctors the nurses the porters the cleaners the kitchen staff thank each and every one of you we have so many frontline workers you can continue to donate throughout the day we're keeping it going up to 11 o'clock tonight on 1850 59696 donation of 19 euro that's what we're asking of you folks or you can click on c103.ie and those that have been texting our normal text service somebody will get back to you I promise that we also are asking people to shine a light tomorrow night Saturday Easter Saturday the 11th of April at 9 o'clock it's to create a moment of solidarity in our battle against the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Wherever you are, we're asking you to turn on a flash lamp, a torch, a phone, Christmas lights, anything. And you can post a picture or a video of your light using the hashtag, hashtag shine your light. And we're doing that here at C103. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for all their incredible work throughout the week. I'm taking a break. I'm off for the week. I'll be back with you after Easter though. And uh, until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Just stay safe. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie.